Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on WLAP, the home of the Cats, right here in Lexington. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and together, Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking to Cats. If it is a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, you can hear it right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We got a jam-packed episode today, which is brought to you by Birch Sheet Metal and Building Supply. We'll tell you more about them in a bit. We got to preview the Kansas game. That's a pretty big one. Uh, we're going to look around the Big 12 SEC challenge uh, this weekend a little bit. We're going to discuss who got on the McDonald's All American team, some Kentucky connections, obviously. We are going to talk about Kyle's piece with Jody Meeks scoring 50. I have a story on that as well. And then we'll wrap with a, a little football nugget that was has kind of been circulating the internet. But we'll start with Kansas. Um, Kyle actually was like Mr. Professional Guy this morning. And turned on uh, the Kansas Iowa State game. I didn't watch all of that live, so I rewatched that this morning to get a better feel for Kansas. And I, this is what's most striking to me: they're small. I, I mean, yeah. yeah, like they just run a bunch of guards out there. Yeah, well, and that's by necessity now because they've lost uh, Udoka Azubuki, um, who um, he's only he only played nine games. He's out for the season with a wrist injury. That's a huge loss. He's a guy Kentucky recruited. He's a guy who played. I remember him first coming on my radar when he played on the uh, the Nike EYBL circuit, like, gosh, three, four years ago. I guess like four years ago now. Uh, in the spring, they randomly one year they had a, a stop. One of the stops was in Lexington out at uh, KBA, and they had, um, they had to, like, uh, reinforce their rims and have extra rims on hand. They heard sort of the legend of – as a bookie and he, he tried to strip the rim off and he actually he did pop one of the rims the the one of the bolts came out of the rim on a dunk that weekend and they had to stop and fix it he's a big old dude uh and the the loss that loss was pretty significant for them um so yeah they do go small the you know the biggest guy that that's a major contributor is uh is a is a major contributor might be the big 12 player of the year uh, Diedrich Lawson one of the uh, two Lawson brothers who transferred from Memphis sat out last year. Now he's he's like 6'9", 235-ish, I think, uh, and he's averaging 19.5 points and 10.9 rebounds. And that game you just watched, he was ridiculous mm-hmm. in. I think he had 29 and 15. Yeah. Um, he's really good. But, you know, the thing that I, the thing that I see about Kansas is, it, it, to me, it feels like they've got one big guy and one shooter. Um, and so in my mind, as good as all those, I mean, they've piled up a bunch of wins. We mentioned it last time they have five wins against the AP top 25. Um, but a lot of those were without, or I'm sorry, were with, uh, as a bookie, um, you know, and then just, and seeing the way Kentucky's playing right now and matching them up, uh, I, I feel like Kentucky's got a lot more, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't know. I mean, Lawson might be the best player on the floor. Saturday night, um, but is it enough? I mean, Lawson—you've got Lawson as the big guy, and you've got uh, one shooter, and that's uh, LeGerald Vick, a guy that people um, should know. Kentucky sort of got in the mix with him late in his recruitment, gosh, three years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the only guy on the roster who's made more than twenty-two threes. He's made fifty-eight, um, and he's shooting almost forty-six percent. 
from three. So he's dangerous. Beyond that, not a lot of threats. Um, people, you know, it's funny, this whole roster, not this whole, but a lot of this roster, Kentucky fans will be familiar with. Quentin Grimes is a five-star kid, freshman, who Kentucky was heavily involved with, really liked. Um, Calipari um, tried to make a late push for him and, and did not get him. And he's had a really up-and-down season. He's been pretty inconsistent uh, this year. He's a good player who can go off. I mean, he's a guy who scored 40 or 50 points a bunch of times in high school. Um, but to me, like I said, Kansas has one big guy and one shooter. And, um, you know, basically a bunch of pretty good players after that. And so I, I, I like Kentucky's chances in that situation, um, playing at home, especially in the, in the kind of the role they're on right now. Yeah, and the other player I think is of note is, is Devin Dotson. He's their point guard, and so obviously he's important. But he's been playing pretty well recently the way I understand it, but I don't know how many defenders he's gone up against that are the level of Ashton Haggins. So, of course, that's going to be a big matchup. And as Calipari discussed after the Mississippi State game, if you can get a point guard to kind of slow down the other team's offense and not let them get into it, uh, then it, then they'll be slowed down. And if, if you know, Lawson, Lawson can create a little bit, I guess, but if he can't get the ball in the post, he's not going to be able to score as much. I think that's probably one of the factors that Kentucky will try to do. I am interested to see... And I'll let you try to predict this, Kyle. Who do you think Lawson guards, and who do you think guards him? Uh, that, see, that's one of those where I feel like they need to play Nick Richards more, or Nick Nick and or EJ Montgomery. I think it's going to take a little bit more of an athletic big guy and a, and a little bit of a longer uh, big guy. But maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe they just want Reed Travis to use his sort of uh, bulk and, and lean on him and, and beat him up a little bit. Um, I mean, I think it's going to be by committee, uh, yeah. but um, I, I'm sure they'll throw a few things at him. But man, I, I mean, if you got one guy that's got any real size and length for Kansas, and he can be a problem for you, um, you know, I think Nick Richards can really affect him. At the very least, it's a luxury to have Nick playing with some confidence now, playing pretty well, uh, and and in you know, in spots, pick some spots to throw him at. Uh, uh, at Lawson because you know it's such a different look. I mean, you throw uh, Reed Travis at him, who's just going to try to brutalize him, um, <laughs> and 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 then throw Nick Richards at him, who's got a seven five wingspan, is going to is going to you know contest and block shots that he thinks he's uh, open for. So that'll be interesting. One thing going circling back to Dotson, the point guard. Um, the last game, uh, the win at home against Iowa State. He had 11 points, eight assists, two steals, no turnovers, but he did only shoot three of 12 from the field. And the game before, the game that they lost to West Virginia, a West Virginia team that has not won any other league games uh, in the Big 12, he had seven turnovers and one assist. Um, and so if you're, if you're, you know, I'm going to say Ashton Hagen's defending him is going to be a lot more like West Virginia's defense that is that yeah. you know aims to turn you over than than it, than Iowa State's defense. So I think that probably bodes well uh, for Kentucky that that he's at least susceptible to have a game like that where he coughs it up a bunch. And if if that happens, I mean if <clears throat> if the dude has five plus turnovers, I think Saturday night, then Kentucky wins that game. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I would completely agree with that. And since we, which by the way, one one other thing, 
uh, he's had five plus turnovers three times in like the last eight games. So, did they win those you know, games? That, let's see, five turnovers against Arizona State and they lost. Five turnovers against Iowa State the the first meeting and they lost, and seven turnovers against West Virginia. So so each of the last three times he's had five uh, or more turnovers. Uh, well, those are all three of their losses. Yeah. So every one of uh, every one of Kansas's losses have come when Devin Dotson turned it over five plus times. So oh, oh, there you uh, go. in real time, folks, you just heard us identify essentially the <laughs> the uh, key to the game. If if Ashton Hagen's uh, harasses Devin Dotson the way he has just about everyone he's played, and he's a freshman, by the way. Yeah. Um, I, I I think uh, Kentucky's in a good spot. So I mean, I, I just I mean, it's it's really bizarre because Kansas has so many good wins, um, but I I I feel almost totally confident that Kentucky is a better team. Yeah. Um, and certainly playing at home uh, on Saturday, it's um, I just I I find a hard time matching these teams up and saying, yeah, Kansas has the advantage. Yeah, I agree. Uh, coming up next, we're going to look a little bit wider at the Big Twelve SEC Challenge. Uh, before that, I do want to tell you guys real quick about Birch Sheet Metal and Building Supply. If you're going to buy metal, siding, or roofing, you should go direct to where it's made, and that's Birch Sheet Metal. If you need metal roofing or siding, don't pay lumberyard prices. Go direct to where it's made. Birch Sheet Metal has 29-gauge, 40-year warranty painted metal in 14 colors, and everything is cut to order. They also have white number twos and galvalum. That's the kind of metal you can use if you have an outbuilding or if you're looking at line inside a building. They also got screws and custom trim to match everything. Plus bubble insulation, permafelt, sliding door track, aluminum frame rails, and hardware. Call them, give them a call at 859-485-1928. They're located in Walton, Kentucky. Um, it's 13113 Apex Drive in Walton. So check out their website, birchsheetmetal.com. Birch, like my name, B-U-R-C-H, sheetmetal.com. Or you can give them a call, 859-485-1928. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. So Kyle, um, I was looking at this and we were on the last podcast discussing about the difference, how this how this was generated. And I didn't look up how they decide the who the matchups are year to year. But the SEC is getting screwed, man. They got three ranked teams that aren't participating in, in this uh, event. LSU's yeah. 25th, and they're playing at Missouri, and Auburn's playing at Mississippi State. Yeah, I don't really understand it. Yeah, we should have looked it up. I, I, and I should know that. I should know how they selected. I, I could have like I could have sworn gone. at some point it was based purely off of the standings from the last season. I think that's right. I think that's right, but it can't possibly be that this year. I mean, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It just, <laughs> um, I mean, I guess, no, I, mean, I don't know because I think, I think any forecast of the league, you know, within the last year would have had certainly LSU and, and Auburn and I think probably Mississippi State pretty high, you know, in the upper half of the league. Um, I mean, Mississippi State was close to making the NCAA tournament last year, I believe. Uh, didn't they make the Final Four in the NIT? I don't know. I don't watch the um, NIT. 
I think that's right. I mean, they and they were right on the bubble. Uh, LSU, as we mentioned a few times here, they can be disappointing, but they've got. I mean, talent wise, they've got four, I think, five star players. Um, and Auburn was co champions of the league last year and returned everybody. I mean, I, that is really odd for for that to be even allowed to happen to not put your best foot forward in, in a showcase like this. I mean, the whole point of doing these is, uh, you know, to showcase your conference and hopefully, uh, you know, have some bragging. I mean, this event was one of the things that sort of um, on the heels of the year before where they had a great, the league had a great NCAA tournament doing this in January last year is was like back that up. It was like, okay, they won the big 12 challenge. This league is for real. I mean, that was kind of part of the, the narrative helping reshape the narrative around sec basketball. I guess the other possibility, and we should probably stop talking out of our rear ends and actually look this up or well, ask according somebody, to, but, according to Wikipedia, it says since 2015, 16, the bottom four teams from the previous season standings, are excluded from the challenge, but as you just pointed out, that's not true. So, I'm. Well, uh, what I was going to say is, I wonder if there's some fine print about like you can't leave, you know, you can't leave a team out of this thing for X be, number of years yeah. in a row. You know what I mean? Like there yeah. may be some teams that have been excluded, you know, year after year, and they're going and and they uh, are owed a spot. But man, if that's the case, <laughs> and it just so happened to be this year when you got you know, more ranked teams than you've ever had in, the, in January and three of them are sitting at home, not at home, but not involved in this thing. Uh, it kind of stinks for the league. Greg Sankey's probably somewhere stewing over these, these situations. <laughs> sitting there stewing. Just stewing? He's a stewing Sankey. Uh, he ought to be stewing over his officiating crews. Yeah, I guess we hadn't. Yeah, that uh, that Vandy and although, Tennessee game was a, was a something. Although my colleague... Um, uh, uh, Seth Davis at the Athletic, who is much smarter than I am, mm. um, and I, and he's probably right. He said uh, today on Twitter, like that the call, based on the letter of the rule, the hook and hold, and that at the end of the Vanderbilt game in regulation was the right call. And you can quibble with whether the rule is stupid, and I think it is, um, or at least the emphasis on it and making it a flagrant foul, and it seems almost. Like it's just if you if somebody gets any kind of arm hook in there, it's a it's a flagrant foul now. It has been this year, um, and I just don't buy that. Like for one, I also don't buy like oh he could have gotten hurt. Um, Grant Williams, who had a, an incredible game, forty three points and twenty three of twenty three at the free throw line, but Tennessee Vanderbilt's up six with a minute and a half to go and loses in overtime because of a flagrant hook and hold on a play where they got a clean defensive rebound with a six-point lead and a minute and a half to go. Flagrant hook and hold upon review, two free throws, the ball, and a bucket, and it's a two-point game in, like, the span of five seconds. Yeah. Um, and then they lose in overtime. Really sucked for Vanderbilt. Um, and I thought Grant Williams, as great as he played, and he's – probably your front runner for SEC player of the year. I thought there was some, a little, uh, I don't want to say acting, but he certainly, uh, added some juice to the way he fell and he about killed himself doing it. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't see anything in that play that said, this is a flagrant foul. And, uh, but to Seth Davis's point, if, if that's the letter of the law, 
then the law stinks and it needs to be changed in the off season. It's too bad they can't call an emergency coaches vote and get that out of there now. But yep. Um, so going back to the this challenge here, do you think the SEC will end up winning? I know you haven't. Just make like a overall, just grasp at straws, Kyle. What do you think? Who's going to yeah. win this thing? I don't because for the reason that that you said, like three ranked teams aren't yeah. playing. I mean. If I'm the if I'm the SEC, I want Auburn, LSU, and Mississippi State in this thing. And so, um, let's see, I don't even have the freaking matchups. In All right, front here of we me. go. I think you who, do, right? who you go? Iowa State at Ole Miss. I'll take Ole Miss in that one. Okay, there's uh, one. For Iowa the State's SEC. a good team, but I like it. Alabama at Baylor. Uh, give me Alabama. Okay. Man, see, I'm gonna end up call, yeah, I'm gonna end gonna... up picking the league to win. But go ahead. Florida at TCU. I'll say TCU. Okay, there's one for the Big 12. The miraculous back from the dead. I'm going to start calling on the South Carolina Lazarus because they are just been... Lazari. Lazari. They're at Oklahoma State. I have no idea if Oklahoma State's any good, but um, South Carolina's playing great right now. Um, see, I'm gonna. I'm totally going to pick the league to win. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say South Carolina. Okay. Texas at Georgia. Texas. Okay. Kansas State at Texas A&M. Uh, Kansas State. West Virginia at Tennessee. Tennessee. Vandy at Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Kansas at Kentucky. Kentucky. And then Arkansas at Texas Tech. Texas Tech. So, so I think that gives it to the Big 12. No, that's a tie. That's five each. No way. Is yeah. it really? Yeah, that was five each. I kept count, and if I'm wrong, correct me. But I, I think I did. why? Well, they shouldn't have an even number. It ought to, you know, they ought to. Well, that's how many. That that's how many teams are in the league, even though they're called the Big Twelve. Oh, that's there's right. There's ten teams because that's right. I don't know. Math is tough. Tough for some people. I don't know. I'm not going <laughs> to judge. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Coming up next, we are going to mention who got in the McDonald's All American game that has to do with Kentucky. Josh Allen, and then uh, talk about Kyle's story on Jody Meeks's historical night. You are Locked On Kentucky, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So one Kentucky signee, one Kentucky commit was named to the McDonald's All-American game. Uh, most people anticipated that. Uh, Khalil Whitney and Tyrese Maxey are both McDonald's All-Americans. Uh, Kyle, no surprise that Coach Calipari gave some love to Maxey on Twitter. He is not allowed to do that with Whitney because Whitney didn't sign early. Um, here, I'll just... this this, And you don't need to go in depth, but... How many other McDonald's All-Americans do you think Kentucky will end up with? I don't know if any. Um, you know, there there's three more targets: Anthony Edwards, um, um, Matthew Hurt, Matthew Hurt, and uh, and Jaden McDaniels. Um, they're not the favorite for any of them. They did just get a visit from Anthony Edwards, which I think is huge. Mm -hmm. You know, arguably the number one player since he reclassified in 2019. And he put on the so jersey. They, yeah, yeah, he wore the Kentucky jersey. We talked about that a few several weeks ago about that being kind of a new thing that they had not really let guys do that, and they're changing with the times. Guys want to wear the uniform and take their pictures, and so he did, and that that got out on social media. Um, you know, Florida State considered the leader. Georgia considered the sort of the dark horse there because he's from Georgia and they really recruited him hard. But I think if you get that dude on campus, you know, and like. Got a Just shot. Like, like, look at what they're doing with guards, and like, look at Ashton Hagens. I mean, it's a pretty, 
impressive pitch. But I, I don't, I'm not sure they'll get any of those three. Uh, ben Roberts, our, our, our friend who is, uh, has been on the podcast a couple times, really does a great job covering recruiting in, in depth for the Herald Leader. He had a piece today um, on Indale, uh, Dali Infante. Gosh, I can't remember. And I can't remember exactly how you say his name, but he's a, he's a big guy in the class of 2020. I've talked really, to him really good in person. Yeah. Top, top 10. That's right. Um, at the hoop top summit. 10 player and looks like there's a really good chance he's going to reclassify to 2019. And that may be their solution for a big guy. He might be exactly what they need, but he wouldn't be a McDonald's all American, even as a five-star guy because, because Reclass. of the classification. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's a good chance they they only ha- they only have two. <laughs> oh, poor guys. Um, but you know, I don't think they'll get more than one out of that group of three. Um, but they, I, I, I give them at least a coin flip shot at, at landing one of those other three McDonald's All Americans. Yeah. All right, Kyle. We wanted to wrap with a little bit of a preview of the story that a lot of people have enjoyed, myself included. An oral history of Jody Meeks' 54 points in Knoxville. Uh, you got you at the athletic and your colleagues talk to a bunch of different people. Uh, well, I'll just ask this and we'll let go people go read it. But who is your favorite person to talk to for the story? Uh, well, some of the best quotes were from Patrick Patterson uh, and Brett Dawson, who used to cover Ken- <clears throat> who people know used to cover Kentucky. Uh, he now works for the athletic covering the Oklahoma City Thunder. Talked to Patrick Patterson. That's where he plays now for me. Uh, and he had some really good lines. He talked about uh, when he thinks about that night, he thinks about the NBA Jam video game. Uh, and the, he's on fire. Um, and then probably my favorite part of the thing was, I, and, and I guess the, my favorite person I talked to was Billy Gillespie just because that's the person I did not expect to talk to me. <laughs> and I don't know that he's talked to many or any people uh, who cover Kentucky about Kentucky since he left. Um, but he was pretty good talking about Jody. And then I gave him obviously the opportunity to, to address the long-held um, uh, legend that one, that he wasn't happy for Jody Meeks uh, and two, that in, in, you know, connected to that, that he essentially hid away several boxes that came from Nike in the days after that 54 point game uh, that had witness on them. And I think on the back, it had a, like every one of the shots he made or something like that yeah. um, to commemorate the 54 points. I mean, the fact of the matter is they were not distributed until three months after the game and Billy had already been fired and John Calipari had been hired uh, and Jody was still on campus working out, I think still trying to decide whether he was going to come back for his senior year or go to the NBA. Um, and they were distributed in players' lockers before workout, and they wore them. And, uh, there, there were some stories about that. The Herald Leader wrote a story at the time. I wasn't covering Kentucky then, but uh, talked to the Nike rep um, for Kentucky, and he said, you know, asked, asked him why, why did it take so long for them to – be handed out. And he said, you'd have to ask Billy Gillespie about that. So I asked 10 years later, I asked Billy Gillespie <laughs> about that. And he said, uh, cause in the story, he was not available for comment back then. Um, he said, he basically said he didn't know about the t-shirts until after he was fired. Yeah. And he said that there was a defect of some kind on the shirts, which I've not heard before. Um, and so the manager, uh, equipment manager or whoever received them uh, saw that and then just tucked them away in an office, kept them in the boxes and tucked them away, and he never knew about them. 
Uh, and he said, I'm not the type who would deny a person wearing a T-shirt after scoring 54 points. And so my favorite part of the story is that line. You know, I'm not the type of person who would, you know, deny <laughs> that. And it tra- I just transitioned directly into Patrick Patterson who said, uh, well, let me just pull it up here. He said, <laughs> so Billy said, I don't think I would be the kind that would keep anybody from wearing a T-shirt after scoring 54. And then it goes straight to Patrick Patterson who says, 100%. It wouldn't surprise me if he tried to keep something away from us. <laughs> Not at all. That's just the way he was. I can 100% see him trying to keep those shirts away from us, especially Jody, after his accomplishment. Uh, so <laughs> oh, <laughs> I goodness. thought that was pretty funny. That is pretty um, good. Yeah, and everyone yeah. Should, should go read the whole story and subscribe to The Athletic. Well worth it. Uh, that was You put in a lot of time, you and your colleagues, and it was a really fun read, and it brought me back and I'll tell this brief story real quick Jody Meeks if I ever meet him in a bar I have to buy him a beer and here's why at the time of that game I was in college and I was dating a girl from West Virginia actually and so I went in to visit her in Morgantown and um, I was at a party this was the week after that game and I had a UK beanie on and this guy kept eyeing me like from across the room and like this is uh, this is just so you can have a visual picture a stereotypical West Virginia college student like beard, big dude, camo jacket, camo hat. It's the winter still. And so he's like kind of looking at me and I'm like, what, did, what is up with this guy? And he looks at me. And he's like, did you go to UK? You go to UK? I'm like, yeah, I do. I'm like, is it, am I about to get in a fight right now? And like, <laughs> this is where I got like a little, a little freaky. He like unzips his jacket a little bit and starts to put his hand inside. I'm like, holy crap, what's happening? And he like reaches down and he has like an interior pocket and he pulls out a natty light and he holds it up and then he tosses it to me and he goes, Jody Meeks. <laughs> uh, that's great. Yeah. And that so is, uh, that's my Jody Meeks yeah. got me a beer at a, at a party store. So thanks. I'd thanks, imagine, Jody. I'd, I'd imagine Jody Meeks got a few beers tossed his way <laughs> that season as well. Yeah. I'm sure um, but did. yeah, one before we move on from it, I'll just say, you know, if I, as I'm trying to to sell people on going and checking that out, and a bunch of people have subscribed to just today on that story, so that's exciting. Uh, I talked to I think it's like a dozen or so people. Uh, Jody Meeks caught up with Jody, caught up with Billy, talked to John Calipari, talked to Patrick Patterson, to Mark Krebs, a beloved walk-on on that team, the Tennessee assistant coach who was charged with putting together the defensive. Uh, game plan for that night and uh, was really candid about uh, how much that one wounded his ego to get lit up like <laughs> that. Uh, talked to Dan Issel, whose record Jody broke uh, with, with the 54 points. Um, Bruce Pearl is in there. Um, and also there's sort of an alternate uh, ending, uh, which is um, John Calipari, Patrick Patterson, Jody, and Krebs uh, – sort of uh, humoring me and imagining a world where Jody decides to come back for his senior year and play with John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins and uh, Eric Bledsoe. And spoiler, I think they all make it pretty clear that they think they would have at minimum won a national title and maybe just run the table. So I know that'll sting a few people who know the only reason they lost in the tournament that year was a lack of three-point shooting. And the night Jody scored 54, he hit 10 of 15 threes. Yes. Which is also a record at Kentucky. So go check that out. All right, just real quick because we only got like a minute left here. 
Uh, Josh Allen, there's a video circulating. He looks like uh, not a human. He's running on one of those kind of curved treadmills. And Kyle, before we started the podcast, you had a pretty good kind of uh, <laughs> analogy for what he looked like. I mean, first I said a perfect uh, like football-playing robot. Uh, and then what came to mind was Ivan Drago. Um from the the Rocky movies, I mean he it's insane. He's so big and like so, muscled up. He's yep. shir- he's shirtless, I think, in the video, and he's yeah. It's one of those weird curved uh, treadmills, and they they crank it up, and he just starts running faster and faster and faster until it is really hard to believe that you're watching this 265 pound human being just flying on this thing. Yep. Um, he's going to test really well. And as productive as he was, ridiculous as he was as a player on the field, I think that in combination with stuff like that, when he goes and tests, uh, he's just going to keep climbing. Maybe maybe he gets to the number one spot. Yeah, where he belongs and where he thinks he belongs. Shout out to East Kentucky Cat Fan Left, left Us Review on iTunes. Uh, you should do the same. And while you're there, you should subscribe and rate. Give us five stars. And then most importantly, what you can do to help this podcast grow is share it with somebody else who would enjoy it. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H. Follow Kyle. At Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. Follow the show at Locked On UK on Twitter and just search Locked On Kentucky on Facebook. Thanks again to Birch Sheet Metal for sponsoring this edition of the show. Check out their website, birchsheetmetal.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. You are Locked On Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts locked on. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. Are you are you okay there, Kyle? Or do you need to go? Hello? Hey, sorry, I was trying to mute the phone because one of my kids is screaming you on know, the baby monitor. I heard you are you uh are you do you need to go or do you need to Um Yeah, let me go check on her and then I'll uh Okay. I'll reconnect. Okay. All right, bye.